0: When I was growing up, my mom had a grapevine in the backyard. It wasn't a very big grapevine, really kind of small. But but every year, I would watch that grapevine grow. Every year, you would see these great big green leaves that would form. And then these tiny little green vines that would start spiraling out. And after a while, there'd be these little hard, little green Grapes. Do not eat the little hard green grapes. Trust me, you don't want to eat those. But if you give them time, they, they would ripen and they would plump and they would get big and purple and then mom would pick the grapes and then she would cook the grapes down and she would make this amazing grape jelly. And I would, I would take to school, I would take sandwiches, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches made with homemade grape jelly because you cannot imagine what you can trade a homemade grape jelly. Peanut butter and homemade grape jelly sandwich. You can trade that for almost anybody else's lunch because that's, that's pretty special. Homemade grape jelly. That really sold. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah tells a parable in, in chapter 5. And he tells about a man that wanted to plant a, 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 a grape vine. He wanted to plant a vineyard. And so he picks the soil carefully and he picks the best soil. He clears it out. There's all the rocks. He puts a wall around it to protect it. He, he, he puts a watchtower in it to protect it. He even digs out a wine press because he is absolutely certain that he is going to have this delicious, bountiful harvest. There's only one problem. He finds out at the end of the story that he planted wild grapes. Little, sour, nasty grapes. They are worthless. And the lesson there in Isaiah 5 is... The problem was not in his preparation. He did everything right. He prepared everything correctly. The problem wasn't in his desire. His desire was to produce something good. The problem was in his vine. And despite all of our efforts to produce something good in our lives, we will never produce something good if we're not connected to a good source. We will never produce if we're not connected to the right vine. And so in John Chapter 15, Jesus picks up the story from Isaiah, and he tells the rest of the story. And there in John 15:1, Jesus says, I am the vine. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. And as he is the vine, we are to see ourselves as the branches. He says in verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now what fruit is he talking about here? I mean, obviously it's not just grapes, right? As Paul Paul tells us, no matter what else we might see as the produce of our faith, we have to look at the fruit of the Spirit. We have to look at love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And as Paul lays out the fruit of the Spirit for us, we have to start with love. Uh, That's where Paul starts. That's where we have to start. And if we start with love, we really have to start with Jesus. We're going to look at Jesus' teachings here in John chapter 15 as he talks about the vine being the true vine and us as the branches. John 15 verses 1 through 11, it's on page 901 in those blue Bibles in front of you if you want to follow along there. You know, every every element of the fruit of the Spirit can be difficult for us. We we can look at a lot of these elements we can say, you know, the second one is joy and I'm just not as joyful as I ought to be. I'm not a very joyful person. Or, or we, can look at, we can look at patience. And boy, that's a big one, isn't it? You know, we recognize we're not really all that patient. And then you get to the end, and what's the last one? Self-control. Did you notice that self-control was symbolized through duct tape in that video up there? I mean, I think that's perfect. I just need duct tape to hold me firm to where I, where I need to be. But we're, we're, we're aware of how difficult some of the fruit of the Spirit can be. But starting here with love... Love is something at least that we, we know, we're acquainted with, we're comfortable talking about it, and yet if we're honest, love is not always easy. There are people in our lives who are difficult to love, and too often we get down on ourselves and we start thinking, well, I'm just not, I'm not loving enough. I need to try harder, I need to, I need to be more loving, and we try to force ourselves to love more. And we think, you know, darn it, I'm going to learn to love these difficult people but it doesn't work that way. You don't learn to love by forcing yourself to love more. You learn to love more by strengthening your connection to the vine, by strengthening your connection to Jesus. He is the vine. We are the branches. And that right there should tell us that we cannot truly know how to love like Jesus if we're not connected to Jesus. We can't learn to love like Jesus without being connected to Jesus. That. I want you to look on in verse 4. And if you look in verse 4, 4 through 6, you see a very consistent theme start emerging in Jesus' words here. Verse 4 begins He says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers that and withers and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Did you catch the theme? Did you catch the consistency that you see here? Abide in me. Those words, or something similar to those words, occur about nine times in this passage, and, and as, as the word abide itself occurs 40 times in the entire Gospel of John. That word abide, it is a call for us to recognize that if we are going to survive, it will be by our connection to Jesus. If we are to endure whatever troubles might come, it will be through what Jesus supplies in us. We have the same word in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In 1 Corinthians 13, we have Paul describing the love chapter. Love is patient love is kind by the way those are also fruit of the spirit right love is patient love is kind and all the way through chapter 13 paul tells us what love is he also tells us what love isn't and when we get to the last verse in that section first corinthians 13 13 paul says now these three abide it's the same word these three abide faith hope and love but the greatest of these is love love is the one that that truly abides Verse 5, Jesus says, For apart from Me, you can do nothing. If you abide in Me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from Me, though, you can do nothing. I know there's people that push you. I know there's people who test you. I know there's people that, you, I know there's people that have hurt you. And I know there's people about whom you say, I cannot love that. I cannot love that person. But I'd ask you this what are you more attached to? What are you attaching yourselves to? Are you more attached to the hurt? Are you more attached to the pain? Are you more attached to the the abuse? Or, Or are you more attached to Jesus? Are you more attached to His love? And none of that is to say that hurt and pain are not real. Of course it's real. You feel it. It is very real. But at some point you have to say, this hurt that I'm feeling, this pain that I'm feeling, as real as it is, it is not what nurtures me. It is not going to produce anything good in me. This pain that I have held on so tightly to—I've held so tightly to—it's not going to produce anything good in my life. And so, rather than continue to nurse the hurt and to to keep the pain alive, can I instead hold to Jesus with that much fierceness? Can I cling to Him with as much fierceness as I've clung to my pain? Can I cling to Him with as much force as I've clung? To my hurt, You see, I, I can't promise you anything good from clinging to your hurt. I can't promise you anything good will grow from, from clinging to your hurt. But when we hold to Jesus' love, we have the promise of His blessing. There's, a, there's an amazing promise in the very next verse, in verse 7. There's an amazing promise here. He says, if you abide in Me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. If you abide in me, my word abides in you. You can ask whatever you wish. You can ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. How many kids ha- have heard a verse like that and know the Bible is true and know that the Bible is the word of God? How many kids have, have read a verse like that and thought, I want a pony. <laughs> you know, I-, I want my pony. Uh, it says right there, whatever I ask for, whatever I wish, I can have it, so I want my pony. More seriously, how many of us, how many, any one of us have read a verse like that and in our search for healing and, and in our search for wholeness and in our search for just one pain-free day, one day free of misery, one day free of trouble. We've prayed a prayer like this and, and we've come, come away feeling let down. We've come away feeling like God doesn't listen. You have to remember, and you've heard me say this many times, you have to remember, we have to keep this promise in context. It's in the context of bearing fruit. It's in the context of our connection to Jesus. Now, now I don't want to limit God, but nor do I want to make promises where where Jesus doesn't make promises. But if what I'm seeking doesn't fall into the category of, of producing fruit in my life, if the love of Jesus is not going to be seen in in what I'm asking for, then it doesn't really fit with this promise. On the other hand, if if you're aware, if you're very aware that you lack the ability to love in some situation, if you're very aware that you need to love in in a particular situation, you can't love on your own, and you need Jesus to love through you, I think this promise fits. He says again there in verse 7, if you abide in me, and My words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this My Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be My disciples. As My Father has loved Me, so I have loved you. Abide in My love. Verse 8, He says, By this My Father is glorified. The next time He says those words are later that same night as He's praying in the garden. If you flipped over to John chapter 17, Verse 1, Jesus prays in the garden, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son that the Son may glorify You. That's, that, he's talking about the cross. He's talking about the, the pain that He's about to go through. And He says, by this, My Father will be glorified. I remember every year after the grapes had been harvested, Mom would prune back the grapevine. And, and we would have, by that time, we'd have this great big glorious looking grapevine, huge leaves and huge vine that just stretched all over the place. And, and of course, it was turning brown and, and starting to die. And so mom would take her little knife and she'd start cutting back the grapevine. And every year I would look at the grapevine when she was done and I would think, well, that's it. That crazy old lady's killed that vine this time. And it's no way it's because by the time she got done, it was just this stump, you know, a tiny little stump. I thought, well, that's it. No more grape jelly for Brett. No more trading sandwiches with the other kids. You know, no, no more good stuff for me. But the next year would come. And, and you couldn't even see where she had trimmed back the vine. You couldn't even see where she had pruned because all you could see was the fruit that was produced on that vine. Over and over again in Scripture, pruning is seen as a, as a metaphor for the pain that's in our lives. Why does God allow pain? Why does God allow cancer? Why does God allow autism? Why does God... Why is it the children of God seem to hurt so bad? Why does God, if He's so loving, if He's so good, why is it that His own children seem to have it worse than everyone else? And it's not that God causes those things. But God uses those things. Again, back to verse 2. Every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. When we're pruned, when we go through those tough times, we, the point is that we should hold more tightly to the vine. It teaches us what's really important in life. If we allow it, if we let the pain do its work, it enables us to love more purely. It enables us to, to hold more tightly. It enables us to be more aware of His blessings. And it's then that we're able to see that loving others, as difficult as it can be sometimes, loving others starts with loving Jesus. And our response to that, loving others starts with loving Jesus, well that's no problem, of course we love Jesus. Ever since we were little kids in junior church, we were taught that we were to love Jesus. Ever since we were younger than these guys, we'd sung songs like Jesus Loves Me, and we'd talked about how much we love Jesus over and over again, we collared pictures, we, 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 we sang songs, we... we We wrote verses, uh, we wrote out the Bible verses telling us how much we love Jesus and how much Jesus loves us. But look at what he's really asking in this passage when he asks for our love. He's asking you to love the one who prunes you, he's asking you to love the one that wounds you, he's asking you to love the one that seeks your very best through the very deepest hurts. And if you can love him with all your heart, then love will be the produce of your life. Verse 10, He says, If you keep My commandments, you will abide in My love. <laughs> if you keep My commandments, you will abide in My love. That should sound kind of familiar too. If you flip back one chapter in John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says, If you love Me, you will keep My commandments. If you keep My commandments, you will abide in My love. If you love Me, you will keep my commandments. There's a connection. When it comes to relationship with Jesus, there is a connection between obedience and love. If you love him, you will keep his commandments. That works with Jesus. It does not work with your spouse. Don't try that with your husband. Don't try that with your wife. doesn't work. But it works with Jesus. If you love him, you keep his commandments. They go hand in hand. Because when his love owns you, you own his love. When his love has captured you, you have captured his love if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as i have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love if you keep my command what what are jesus's commandments again if you go back just a couple of pages john chapter 13 verse 34 jesus says a new commandment i give to you a new commandment i give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And then he goes on in verse 35 and he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. He doesn't say all people will know you are my disciples if you have been hurt. He doesn't say all people will know you are my disciples if you have been through pain, if you have been pruned. It's not the pruning that is the mark of a disciple. It's not the wounds. Just like mom's grapevine in the next season, you could not see where she had pruned it. All you could see was the fruit. And I know if you're going through a season right now where you're feeling pruned, I know if you're going through a season where you're feeling wounded and hurt, all you can see is the hurt. And all you can feel is the hurt. But a day will come, and a season will come, when all you can see is love. And you have to trust Him and hold on to Him, and know that that's true. Over the past couple of weeks, if you've watched the news at all, you have heard testimony after testimony of young girls who have testified against Larry Nasser, the doctor who abused his role as, as doctor and abused hundreds of, of young ladies. And over and over again, through their testimonies, The hurt and the abuse that they've gone through came out as anger. Rightfully so, it came out as anger. You ought to be angry in those situations. But over and over again, they responded to their hurt by hurting back. One, One young lady said this, I cannot believe I ever trusted you, and I will never forgive you. I am happy you will be spending the rest of your life in prison. Enjoy hell, by the way. Larry Nasser has been sentenced to 175 years in prison. But you know, one, one young lady came forward, Rachel Den Hollander. She's the one who had led the charges against Larry Nasser. She was the first to go public with her allegations of abuse, and in many ways, Rachel paid for, for her voice. She paid when she spoke out against this man. And in her testimony, she said this. She said to Larry Nasser, Should you ever reach the point of truly facing what you have done, the guilt will be crushing. And that is what makes the Gospel of Christ so sweet. Because it extends grace and hope and mercy where none should be found. And it will be there for you. I pray you experience the soul-crushing weight of guilt so that you may someday experience true repentance and true forgiveness from God, which you need far more than forgiveness from me, though I extend that to you as well. You see, that's, that's someone that knows what pruning does. That's someone that knows the pain of pruning, but also knows what it produces. That's a young lady who knows that obedience to Jesus Christ is not easy. But it goes hand in hand with love. And that there is greater freedom in knowing Jesus' love than of knowing hate. And there is greater freedom in clinging to His love than clinging to your hate or letting your hate own you. And obviously, that kind of response is so difficult. I, I can't promise you that, that something like that is easy. It's not. And it may at this time, it may seem completely impossible. You cannot imagine Your hurts, no matter how big they might be or how small your hurts might be, you can't imagine responding in that way. You have to know that response does not come easy. It takes time. And while today you may be very aware of your hurt, today you may be very aware of of your pruning, and the pain may seem all-consuming, do you see what comes next? Uh, Jesus closes in verse 11 with these words. These things I have spoken to you, about abiding in my love, about my Father, the vine dresser, who prunes so that you might produce more, so that you might know his love greater. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Trust him, trust his promises, trust him through this season, and the love will come, and the joy will come. Would you stand as we pray? Father, we begin our journey through the fruit of the Spirit with love, but already we see the promise of joy. Let us continue to look ahead to the promise of what Your Spirit can produce in us. Father, every one of us has people in our lives who prove to be a challenge to love. And if we're honest, we're a bit of a challenge ourselves sometimes. So let us cling all the more tightly to Your Son. Let us know His love in such depth and to mention that we are able to show it to others. When we seek the fruit of love in our lives, we're truly seeking His presence, His love, and His life. Lord, we, we don't just want that for ourselves. We want that for people in our lives who desperately need to know Your Son, know His forgiveness, know His peace, and know His love. Help us to show them that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in peace.